Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jamie Creel with Shelter Insurance. Come see how we've built a name that you can trust and why it is a must to get your free quote today with our Switch and Save. Located in Ridgeland and Florida, Mississippi, give us a call, 601-992-6000. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert along with Will East in for the vacationing rhino as we'll be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder and fine music kicking off a brand new week here, Will. That's right and it's cooled down. Uh, It's not hitting the 80s. This morning I woke up and it was like 45. Eight degrees at my house. It was very, very cool this morning. I opened the door, let the dog out, and the cold air hit. And in fact, yesterday I had—I was watching football. I was—I um, had my back door open most of the day. I just propped it open and uh, watched football and enjoyed the cool, cool weather. It's finally gotten here. Somebody turned the air conditioner on, and it wasn't my thermostat in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I played a little golf, and I uh, Saturday. It seemed like it started out a little warmer in the morning, so I dressed in what I've been wearing, it seems like, for six months is shorts and my traditional polo shirt for the golf course. And by the afternoon, we teed off around 10, by the afternoon, the temperature began to drop and the wind began to pick up out of the northwest. And though the sun was shining, it it was chilly. And then yesterday, it was cold and we had some spots of little light rain come through as well. Yeah, uh, yesterday. So, but nonetheless, it's October. Hard to believe. Just a short couple of weeks ago, we were boiling. It seems I like, know. and that endured for several weeks here in Central Mississippi and across the Magnolia State. Uh, we did get a, a little much needed rain. I think we're still behind, right? Yeah. I think we're still in a drought situation. I believe the river is still low, et cetera. But nonetheless, that's how it goes. There's so much going on mainly uh, on the national and global stage. A bit quiet here in the state of Mississippi. We were talking about that in our meeting this morning. However, we do have critical statewide elections coming up in less than a month. Hard to believe that we are approaching that point. The rhetoric is flying (laughs) between uh, Governor Tate Reeves and his Democrat opponent, Brandon Presley. I saw Brandon Presley speak on Saturday. Our town had a little fall festival, and I was walking around, and I heard a familiar voice, and I looked up. It was Brandon Presley, and he was uh, talking along with several other candidates, some for local office, some for statewide office. Yeah. And he didn't spend much time up on the podium, uh, on the stump. He mainly just said, we're going to end corruption. We're going to sign uh, Medicaid expansion yeah. into law the first day i'm going to be in office which again i always say well 
I don't think you can do that. He can. <laughs> I didn't want to yell that from the <laughs> from the the crowd, but uh, uh, and then he, I think he went to Jackson State to the homecoming game and had a uh, kind of a mini rally there. Saw that. I saw that. Yeah, he did. I, I'm looking at his calendar from last week, and that did include uh, speaking uh, Saturday in Clinton. That's where it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where from where you hail. And then he went to Jackson State uh, homecoming as well. And let's see, also, uh, oh, okay, he had a tailgate, it says, yeah. in Jackson State. So, um. Did he say we're in a crisis as well? Did he say <laughs> we're in a crisis? What we're does he crisis. mean exactly? Crisis. So when I honestly, well, when I see Presley and his supporters say that the governor has just been an abject failure, what specifically are they talking about? Can they point to anything? Now, if they point to the state of the healthcare industry in the state of Mississippi. Laying that at the feet of government is just wrong, in my view. Now, you could get on your soapbox and and clamor that Medicaid needs to be expanded all day long, and the governor has indicated consistently opposition to that. But we also know from talking to hospital executives that, hey, that ain't the panacea, as Rhino likes to say. That That's not an exclusive, singular solution to this issue. It, it is a, it's a broad and a deep issue, honestly, that is impacting the entire nation, not just the state of Mississippi. And the only thing I've heard, two things proposed by Brandon Presley, expand Medicaid and appoint somebody else to the division of Medicaid, someone who is a physician. You know, he, he came out and he was critical of the present executive director, Drew Snyder, whom I personally think does a fantastic job. And I've said on the program before, that might be the most difficult job in the state that is appointed. Uh, it's just hard. It's, hard. it's a big organization. It deals with about $7 billion dollars of funds, combined state and federal, 800,000 enrolled in the state of Mississippi in the Medicaid program. I don't, and, mo- and most directors of uh, departments of health across the nation are not physicians. That's Remember, right. you and I looked it up we one did. day. They're not. And it's that's, that's irrelevant. I mean, there's a clinical aspect of it, of course, and then there's a business aspect of it. And the fact is... The person at the top, the person who serves in that role, need not be clinically trained. That, that's just irrelevant. I mean, you're not being you're not being brought in to consult on medical problems as executive director. That's what you would be able to do, in my view, as someone with a clinical background. It is. It's not only uh, a business management endeavor. It's complex law extremely complex law that uh, provisions the Medicaid program, both from a federal and a state perspective. So, honestly, what's needed most of all is to rein in the ridiculous waste, fraud, and abuse that occurs in the Medicaid program, not just in Mississippi, but nationwide. The CBO published a report back in August, and it entitled this report, Improper Payments. $270 billion at the federal level 
of improper payments, meaning we paid out taxpayer money and we shouldn't have. The program which comprised the majority of those $270 billion, Medicaid, $80 billion. Now, just for perspective, because I know a lot of people get really fired up about the money we send to foreign countries, and I, I get it. They, they express disdain for that, which amounts to about $40 billion a year. Just waste, fraud, and abuse. Actually, it's not even that. Improper payments. Uh, waste is a totally different issue. Just improper payments. We paid you two bucks, and you should have got a buck. Yeah. All right? That is twice what we send overseas. Almost as much as we've sent to Ukraine that I know really gets people fired up. Why don't we take care of our own house right here at home? $270 billion improper payments. Now, that's from Joe Biden's congressional budget office. That's not Gerard here making this up. I'm just citing their data published. And so how do you do that? In my view, you got to have really advanced, modernized digital systems because it's just a it's a big digital program at the end of the day and the way to identify those issues and, and to ensure that payments are made properly and in this case it's it's from the third party and from the fee for service aspect of Medicaid directly to the providers but I'm digressing a bit I'm simply pointing but it's out not, it's not a Mississippi no, it's not Problem. unique to Mississippi. I'm no. not suggesting that whatsoever, and, and I want to be clear about that. And, and let's be honest, those who operate these Medicaid programs at state level, such as Drew Snyder, I mean, the systems they have are what are provided, which includes federal as yeah. well. So uh, he he's well aware of this. The point I'm trying to make is that's not a matter for a doctor. That's a matter for a business person, yeah. right, a systems person, a business person, a manager, no disrespect to doctors. That's not the point. But when Brandon Presley promotes that idea, yeah, I'm going to put a doctor in there, an MD is what he said. It's like, well, are they going to be more adept and more experienced and skilled at addressing this improper payment problem and the gaming? I'm going to put a mechanic in charge of Ford Motor Company <laughs> because. But that, but I'm, the point I'm making is that's all I've heard is right. I'm going to expand Medicaid day one. Because we're in a crisis, and um, and I'm going to put somebody in there, just as he suggested at uh, the Department of Public Safety, right? He's going to appoint somebody who's who's carried a badge, Commissioner Sean Tindall, who has not he's carried a badge. in all three exactly. phases of government, exactly. right? Exactly. Yes. He's, he's exactly right. A judge. Yes. Ju- judicial, the executive. He's aw- he's awesome, in my view, in, in his job and the performance of it. So... I think this is just fiery rhetoric to try to appease and appeal to those who are just in his camp. Yeah, you go get them, Brandon. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> exactly. We got some sound. We got to play, Will, if you can find it. Yeah. But I sent you uh, Biden. Uh, it's, you just got to hear this about our Constitution. Actually, our Declaration of Independence is what it's about. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Now back to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi.
back, everyone. It's middays. We're in the Element Wealth Studio at 11.05. It's a Joel and Natasha. They're going to call in and give us an update, their perspective, their insight on what is uh, going on in Gaza. And that will be interesting because uh, they always seem to have information that is otherwise difficult to obtain. Yeah, they spend a lot of time in uh, Jerusalem specifically, and uh, they have obviously have a lot of connections over in the international community, and uh, they know who to talk to. So, uh, yeah, some interesting perspective. We're trying to get on another um, person who grew up in Mississippi but now lives in Israel. Uh, I think we're going to reach out to him today or tomorrow to get him on talk about what's going on over there uh it's a person i've been following on social media who's it's pretty interesting uh you know people just walking around in israel you have to walk around with your your sidearm or your uh, rifle on your shoulder because you don't know what's going to happen it's crazy and it's uh it's sad of course israel uh, seems to be poised for all-out ground invasion that hasn't happened at this point uh and they're warning Gazans, get out. Uh, of course, the Hamas are telling Gazans, stay where you are so as to serve as a human shield. Uh, yeah. They're, they're just they're licking their chops to start capturing video and images of Israel uh, waging war in Gaza. And, of course, that's likely to affect civilians. And they're looking to, to capture that so they can hold them up as just evil, wicked people, where it, in fact, of course, we know it's Hamas that is inflicting uh, unthinkable atrocities on civilians. And I've seen over the weekend a number of interviews with family members in Israel mm-hmm. of, uh, of those who have either been slaughtered or missing, being held hostage, as you know. That's, yeah. that's part of the Hamas strategy. And it's, um, it's just really deeply disturbing. And you got the squad and people out there saying, you know, <clears throat> the occupation's causing all this and Israel needs to stand down and all this kind of stuff. And what they don't say is that there's still hostages being held. Yeah. It's almost as if they support and condone this barbarism on the part of Hamas, that that's acceptable. Yeah. That's just unthinkable in my view. On the ceasefire text line, that's 601-879-4395. I received a text on uh, Saturday from the phone number, I won't give it to you, but asking if I wanted to be a Presley ambassador tour and be compensated $40 an hour to talk. I received it as well. Uh, I'm looking at it right here. Hey, exclamation point. (laughs) We're looking for Presley ambassadors to talk to their friends about Brandon Presley and the governor's race. With a $40 per hour stipend. Want to join? I got that as well. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that's probably not a bad idea. Uh, Do you have to go through some qualification process? I mean, how does this work? I, I'm curious now. I ought to sign up. Yeah, you ought so to sign up the truth. to go out there. And, <laughs> you know, every time he tells you that he's going to sign Medicaid in day one, uh, he can't do that. He can't do it, and I've, I've called him out on that. Of course, no response. Uh, but, again, that's not really being serious about addressing the issue in the state of Mississippi. We have not only a health care problem, we have a health problem as well. We're, we're the least healthy state, I'm sad to report, 
uh, in the country and have been for for some time. And there's no doubt that that uh, health, uh, the health of the of a population of a constituency, is directly related to the affluence of that constituency. So, point there is this is something that the Democrats and Mr. Presley really don't want to acknowledge is that the key, I believe, to improving the quality of health and health outcomes in the state of Mississippi and thus lessening the financial burden on health care providers is to grow our economy. As simple as that. And I've not heard him say one iota of a word about here are my plans to boost economic growth. Democrats always, always communicate their their solution to all problems is government. More government will fix it. They never really talk about we're going to get the hell out of the way so the private sector can thrive, mm-hmm. so they will invest, expand, produce jobs, and and wealth and innovate. That that's the secret to addressing every problem. Honestly, in our country. Um, and in our state, but that's not something – it's almost as if the Democrats feel like, you're encroaching on our gig. That's our department. We do that. Not you private people out there, you citizens, without the aid of government. Perish that thought. We can't do that. And I look at old uh, our buddy old Robert Reich goes out there uh, on Facebook, and I, I, I tracked him over the weekend – and let me see if I can find his his latest. But he basically said something to the effect, if if you're really serious, uh, what do you say? If you're really serious about improving the quality of life in the country, then you would uh, hope I can get this right. You would um, institute Medicare for all, gun control, tax the rich, child care tax credits. I mean, that's just the way he always sees things, is through the lens of government. If we just had government to step in and implement all these policies uh, that the Democrats just live for, well, that just, like, magically fixes everything. Yeah. That, in, in fact, the way, he, the way he describes it is, that's what it means to be pro-life. Being pro-life means Medicare for all, oh, climate change, obviously, right? Obviously. Um, and, and then uh, increasing the tax, taxes, child care tax credits. You know, he's, he's all over that as well. But that's what he considers to be pro-life. Think about that for a second. Gun control is pro-life, and Medicare for all is pro-life. Climate change is pro-life. You know, everything is always rooted in, um, I guess, in those ideals which emanate from the left. Yeah, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, gun reform, universal child care, and a living wage. (laughs) The right-wing agenda isn't about life. It's about control. Seriously? Let me get this straight. You're advocating for Medicare for all, gun control. (laughs) He calls it reform. (laughs) It's not. Uh, a Green New Deal, which is nothing but a series of mandates and dictates and controls, universal child care, which is just blatant redistribution, and a living wage, just force, control, dictate what wages ought to be. Yet he says the right is about control. 
That's just kind of ironic. <laughs> hey, they, some of those, him and Paul Krugman and some of those just living in another world. Uh, if you got the sound, I think we got time uh, before we get out of this break, and it's Biden talking about hate. Hate. Let's see. He has, here we go. What happened, what happened in Charlottesville. Just a little bit. And it comes roaring out again. Folks, we have to reject hate in every form. Because history has taught us again and again. Anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. Hate toward one group left unanswered opens the door for more hate toward more groups more often readily. But here's what we history shows. The antidote to hate is love. The answer to twisted, dehumanizing ideology is solidarity. What? And standing there for everyone in humanity. That's why the laws that actually protect equality matter every single American, no matter who you are, who you love, or where you come from. This shouldn't be about conservative, liberal, red, or blue. It should be about realizing the promise of the Declaration of Independence. Sounds corny, but a promise rooted in the sacred and the secular. That all people are created equal. Endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. Among them, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Folks, it may sound corny, but we've never fully lived up to that promise, but we've never walked away from it like many want us to do. And we're not going to walk away from it on my watch, I promise you. So you hear what he said there? We've never lived up to the promise in the Declaration of Independence that all are endowed with unalienable rights from their Creator. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We've never lived up to that. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's astonishing to me that the highest level office in this country can essentially condemn the country that he's the president of. I can't fathom it. And by the way, did you notice the tone? It's hateful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's pounding the podium about hate in a hateful manner. We're coming right back in the Element Well studio. Stay with us. Listening to Middays with Gerard. Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk, Mississippi. The great Glenn Campbell. Man, it's sad to see so many of these stars from my childhood uh, passed away. Suzanne Somers. I know. 76. 76. I guess a reoccurrence of her cancer. Breast cancer. Fought it about 10 years. Chrissy from Three's Company. Three's Company. It's a great show. I remember her from Step by Step. Yeah. Um... Part of the TGIF block. Yep. Um, but 
thigh master commercials. Yeah. You know, she's famous for that. And sure was. A Just lot of other things. Wrote a bunch of books about yeah. uh, speaking up, which adopting healthy lifestyles. She was a big proponent, advocate for that. Mm-hmm. Sad to see her go. That's, um, and Mary did the same husband for a long time. As well, yeah. Who was years, a game show host, right? Think that's I think right. He was a game show. I can't remember his name, but he was a game show host. Yeah, sad to see it. I, Glenn Campbell made me think about it. What a couple of years ago, I believe uh, he passed yeah. away. It seems like I remember growing up when he had a variety show. It was really good. Yeah, Glenn and Campbell. I think uh, Bobby Gentry was on that variety show a, a good bit. I know they put out an album together at one point. Um, but yeah. That's another thing you don't see anymore is the variety shows. I kind of miss those. I enjoyed those. It was popular when I was, you yeah. know, during the 60s, 70s, I guess, and and when television was pretty much limited to the three major networks. And in primetime television, you'd have the variety shows. Uh, Hee Haw, of course, was a, was a yeah. great one. Widely watched when I was younger. Red Skelton was a great one. Red mm-hmm. Skelton show. Gary Moore had a show, the Gary Moore show, of course. Sonny and Cher. That's right. Uh, Sonny and Cher. Carol Burnett was a fantastic one. That still makes me laugh, honestly. Let me tell you, that show is still – I have this thing called Pluto TV. It's it's free to download, by the way. Yeah. And it, they have all these channels on there, and one of them uh, is the Carol Burnett channel. And that's all they show is Carol Burnett. Very good stuff. And I watched – it was probably about, I don't know, six months ago, and I was watching it, and it was the Gone with the Wind. Isn't that great? When she comes down that staircase with those drapes. Puts the drapes on with the <laughs> curtain rod in there to push the shoulders out. It's Harvey so good. Corbin is about he's to Red die. Butler. Yeah, he's Red Butler. He is about he to die. And that's what was so great. It was live, and they'd often find themselves laughing like that. <laughs> Tim Conway. Oh, Tim Conway. Oh, God. <laughs> Mrs. Wiggins. <laughs> so good. Yeah, you know. Sadly, though, unless it's got some sort of social justice content, you probably couldn't do that. Can we just laugh what, and have gone fun? With the wind, you certainly couldn't get well, away with yeah, that Well, yeah, you couldn't do that now. That's yeah. right. But that's sad because that was just genuinely funny, just funny. And it, here's the other thing is it's clean. That's right. It was just funny and clean. You I just mean, don't just, you don't see that. We went to go see Jerry Seinfeld uh, perform stand-up uh, a couple weekends ago for my wife's birthday. Um, and we walked out of there. The first thing my wife said was, he never cussed. Yeah. I said, he doesn't. I said, that's his thing is he doesn't. I, she said, you could have brought a child to this. Yeah. I said, yeah. And it's so surprising to have a comedian who still does that because you don't see that on TV. Heck, no. they cuss on commercials now. I know. I saw a commercial the other day, Gerard, where they bleeped out something. On the commercial? On the oh commercial. And this was during a football game. So this was prime time. Mm. It wasn't some cable network somewhere. It's not necessary, just so folks will know. It's, I mean, I get it in the locker rooms and so forth, but I, I'm still appalled to this day at uh, the number of females I see uh, using vulgar language just in, you know, a public setting, uh, a social setting. It's like, no, nah, it's just not right. It's certainly not right. I was always taught, still believe, uh, males using inappropriate vulgar, bad vulgar language in the presence of, of females, and I don't really use it a lot, even with males, maybe occasionally yeah. on the golf course and, you know, in the <laughs> locker rooms and stuff and playing sports. That's just part of that world. But, you know, you can you can cool it. Um, but it, uh, in a commercial, 
I mean, they, so that means they recorded it with intentionally, deliberately. Intentionally. They intentionally did that. <laughs> I can't comprehend it. I really can't. Um, on the ceasefire text line, Charlie and Brandon says, the only things that I have heard Mr. Presley say he's going to do are the things that the governor has no power to do. The bottom line is he's a Democrat. They just can't tell the truth. I mean, and his focus has been, I'm going to expand Medicaid. You've, you've seen that. I'm going to cut car tax and grocery sales taxes. But I've still not uh, observed and been apprised of any details on his plan to cut car taxes. Is he talking about the state portion, which is minimal, honestly? Is he talking about the entire price of the tag? And if so, well, then you're taking away revenue from counties. Are you gonna Are you gonna make them whole on that from state appropriated money? Mm-hmm. So he's not really offered any details that I've seen uh, on that. Um, and then I'm going to appoint a physician to run Medicaid and a law enforcement individual, one with a badge to run um, Department of Public Safety, and I'm going to eliminate corruption in government, whatever that means. I mean, that's pretty much been kind of his talking points. I've not seen much beyond that. Um, I I don't know how much that moves the needle, and I know some folks that are Republicans probably uh, aren't big fans of the governor, but I would just encourage them, man, even someone with whom you may not fully support or align as a Republican from a policy perspective is orders of magnitude, in my view, better than the Democrat opponent here. And with all the money flowing into Mr. Presley's coffers from out of state, um, you, you talk about being beholden to outsiders, which is kind of what he's trying to attach to the governor. No, it's in fact quite the opposite because – he, he comes into this race fully funded by outsiders who are going to expect something in return. There's no doubt about that, in my view. And these are people who want to impose their values that I think are antithetical to the values of Mississippians uh, on the state of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And that's that's uh, that's disturbing. So I would really encourage folks to consider that. So you just heard this sound we played from the president with that those squinty eyes and... <laughs> <laughs> that sort of rage. the words together. <laughs> <laughs> but this assertion that we've never fulfilled the promise of the Declaration of Independence. And here's the deal. There are people out there, I'm sure, that agree with this. But you know what their grievance is? Maybe you used the wrong pronoun, right? Or you, you misgendered them. Therefore, we haven't lived up to the ideals of the Declaration. Listen to this sound here. This will just make you scratch your head. Xeno pronouns, perhaps one of the most beautiful concepts, uh, one of the most poetic ways to approach this subject. Xeno pronouns refers to any pronoun a person has that is unspeakable, that is unworkable in the language of a person. So an example would be a Zeno pronoun would be a word. I can't, I can't even say it, right? Because that's the point. They're unsayable and sort of effervescent and unknowable, kind of like a person's gender. That's why I love this one. So an example would be, uh, you know, a Zeno pronoun would contain a, 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 a set of letters that is a pronunciation that a human being can't pronounce. It's some sound that a human being can't pronounce. 
or that a Zeno pronoun contains an image or a concept that it's alluding to that is actually something that language has no way to express. <laughs> the movement of understanding where non-binary people come from can sometimes take us into very lofty, beautiful, spiritual, poetic places. Thank you for your willingness to understand. And thank you for your willingness to honor us. Well, that's... Uh, you can't even pronounce them. That's how beautiful they are. And by the way, that, I think, just based on my eyeball observation is a male who I think identifies as a female, if I'm not mistaken. Would you agree I, with yeah, that? Yeah, a lot of glitter. The uh, <laughs> I guess, but uh, I don't want to misgender them. <laughs> but the Zeno pronoun. How did this country get here? We were so dang wrapped up in knots about pronouns. And this is a person that would say, yep, we've never really lived up <laughs> to the, the, um, the ideal of the Declaration of Independence, the pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. No, we can't do that because I got to have a Zeno pronoun <laughs> in order to fulfill that promise. That's how crazy this stuff is. <laughs> it's just bizarre. I'm laughing. We may have to put that on the midday site. You got to see it. Like, this person's serious about this. How could they be so serious about that? I have no idea. I have no idea. Who has time? I don't know. Who has time to sit down and go through these things and think about these things? Most important person in that individual's life is the Zeno Pro now. <laughs> We're coming right back. Don't forget uh, Joel and Natasha from America's Roundtable Radio Program and the International Leaders Summit are going to join us at 11.05 to give us uh, some information about Israel and the conflict slash war over there. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studio. You're listening to Middays with Gerard here on Super Talk Mississippi. Stone. Good old music there. On the ceasefire text line, tell me how Brandon Presley was, as he claims, able to cut car tag prices as mayor of Nettleton. Are not prices for tags regulated by the laws enacted by the legislature? No, actually, the majority of property taxes, ad valorem taxes, which uh, are also... Uh, the taxes, the car tags, fees that you pay 
to have a, to have a tag on your vehicle. Those are considered ad valorem taxes. That's just property tax, if you will. Now, those are levied by um, cities and counties, school districts is where that comes from. And, uh, however, it's the legislature who sets the the percentage of the asset that is to be considered, but it's the it's the municipal authorities, county, that set what's called the millage, which is just the rate multiplied by the value of of the property. Uh, in which case, in Mississippi, the legislature sets that at thirty percent of that value. Then the millage is applied. But look, there's two factors in the calculation, so. Uh, the bottom line is those are taxes that are set at a local level. The legislature really doesn't set that. However, there is a small portion. I can't remember what it is. It's minimal, though, of the car tag fee that is uh, a state tax, if you will, goes to the state. I want to say it's like 50 bucks, 100 bucks. Uh, it, it's a it's relatively small um, that goes, and I, I need some clarification on that. I, and the reason I remember this, Will, is that as part of the negotiations of the tax reform we got in 2022, there was some consideration given to that as a uh, as a provision as well as part of that package, but it only affected the state's portion. Okay. Not because you don't want to take, the state didn't want to take revenue away from the city's county school districts. It can't be that much because like my car tag was like twenty eight bucks okay. this last time. It's it's and it may be I'm I may be wrong in in, in um, thinking it's a flat amount. That wouldn't make sense as you say it's it's some component of the overall yeah. millage that is um, is reserved for the state's portion. It, it's a minimum amount. That's the only point yeah, I'm trying to make. Yeah, it can't be much. It's, it's, yeah. it's uh, insignificant relative to the amount, because this is a primary source of revenue uh, for counties and school districts. Yeah. It's also uh, a source of revenue to municipalities, although municipalities all re- also receive the sales tax diversions. So sales taxes go to the state, and then I think it's 18.4% of it is diverted to the munis- municipality where the transaction occurred, that's a primary source, and it and it just depends. If you look at some cities and you look at their their income statements, you'll see where the composition of their revenue may be tilted more towards um, sales taxes than property taxes because they do get a portion of property taxes, and it just it just really depends on um, just the dynamics uh, of a city. You know, if they've got lots of houses, lots of property. Relative to retail sales, well, then you'll see most of their revenue coming from property taxes. And if they've got lots of retail and maybe fewer uh, homes and properties that are assessed property taxes, you'll see more of their revenue coming from sales tax. And it really just depends. I just Googled cheapest car <laughs> state car tax. Yeah. And it actually says Arizona and Mississippi are among the most affordable. I'm shocked at that. Hawaii and Colorado are the most expensive states to register a vehicle. Hmm. I'm shocked that that Mississippi was uh, listed Here, among the most yeah, affordable. It's, it's multiple ones saying several states stand out for relatively lower registration costs, such as Arizona, Mississippi, Nebraska, and Arkansas. Okay. Interesting. Well, I, so I don't exactly know what Mr. Presley's talking about. If he's talking about the entire assessment, the car tag fee tax. 
mm-hmm. or just a state portion because the state, I mean, they'd have to pass some laws, honestly, to change the way ad valorem taxes are levied in the state of Mississippi, which would essentially remove some of the power from the municipalities and counties which determine those those property tax rates, the millages is what they're called. I just don't see that happening, honestly. You, I think that the legislature would be inclined to allow the uh, those taxing entities, those those jurisdictions, cities and counties specifically, to continue to control that. I, so I don't know what he's talking about. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Um, I get it. It's a it's a source of consternation for a lot of people, especially when they buy a new vehicle and they've got to throw in there the price of a tag, and then that comes up every year. Depending on the value of your vehicle, that can get a little pricey, no doubt about that. So I'm just curious as to what exactly Mr. Presley has in mind. We're coming right back after Fox News and Super Talk News with Joel and Natasha. We're going to talk about Israel. Stay with us. And now, and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like listening. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays, Hour 2 of the program, kicking off a brand new week. We welcome now Joel and Natasha from America's Roundtable Radio Program and the International Leaders Summit. Joel, Natasha, good to see you guys. We've been uh, paying attention to the events unfolding in Gaza, and uh, it looks like Israel is poised to uh, launch a ground invasion. And I actually thought, and as did many, that that would occur over the weekend. But thus far, hasn't really gone into full swing. What's the latest? Yes, indeed. In fact, just a few minutes ago, uh, we just heard sirens in both Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. The Israeli, the Israeli Knesset, which is meeting right now, actually had to rush to the bomb shelters. And so uh, the onslaught of these attacks from the Hamas is still ongoing. There is no military in the world that gives its enemy time to actually move out civilian population. So Israel is taking every measure possible to allow the Gazans to get down to the south while the Hamas is blocking their way and even creating uh, incidents like even exploding a a detonative device that actually blocked people from going. Mm. Uh, So, you know, here we are seeing 1,400 Israelis killed. Uh, There is 199 hostages still in the Gaza uh, area. And uh, 29 of them are Americans that were killed. Uh, so, you know, Israel is uh, using all its efforts to making sure that they safeguard the civilian population. But we will see a ground invasion or a ground uh, effort in just uh, in a short period of time. Natasha, there are reports that Hamas is instructing the Gazans to stay put, to not heed the Israeli mm-hmm. Uh, advice and warnings to to get out. It's indicating that in Israel, I should say, is is about to unleash its firepower. 
uh, to retaliate. Right. Uh, but but uh, mm-hmm. it just looks like they're more interested in their ideology than they are protecting human life. Right. I mean, Hamas is known to use uh, population, civil population as a human shield. It has been reported in the past. So they are terrorist organization uh, that is very coward, coward. Actually, they are not putting their lives online, but they are hiding in tunnels while placing civilian population in the headquarters, like putting a headquarter right under the hospital building. So they are uh, known uh, to be, uh, meaning not really protecting, not just not protecting civil, civilian population, but the civilian population in Gaza under Hamas uh, government is actually suffering. So it's in everyone's interest to get rid of Hamas. Uh, Hamas is known as a terrorist organization, not just in the U.S., but in Europe as well. And it's directly financed and trained and backed by Iran and done via Qatar. So uh, what we're learning uh, these recent days, I mean, that has been known for a longer time, but now it's more in the media, that the masterminds of Hamas attacks are sitting in, in Qatar. And, mm. and uh, you know, as Biden administration came in power, uh, they proclaimed Qatar as a most, uh, like an out of NATO, most uh, uh, favored nation in alliance, which is not a NATO member, which becomes a problematic because how do we deal with Qatar, if all support coming from Iran goes via Qatar to Hamas, and also Qatar was known as um, also as a, as a place for Taliban, uh, it was a right. government in exile. So there's there, it's a very complicated picture yeah. in in the, in the in the Middle East that we have to really address. And uh, uh, obviously, Biden administration is not able uh, to do that in a very strong manner to portray and uh, you know U.S. leadership. Yeah, Joel, I, I think, uh, of course, you know that uh, the U.S. has deployed uh, significant assets into the area uh, to serve as a deterrent and and just to show some sign of force. And, of course, Haran, I think, uh, made a statement in the last couple of days. Uh, I think the word they used was earthquake, that they would uh, release an earthquake. I don't know exactly what that means, it, you know, based on any sort of action on the part of, of this country. But I don't. I don't see. I don't. I'm not supporting the use of ground troops. And I think if if you polled members of Congress, you'd probably see that they're very divided on the extent to which America should participate, support Israelis' efforts here. I, I have seen, however, broad support for Israeli and um, and showing alignment with Israel as our ally and has been historically. But where where's all this going? I mean, should should we heed? Iran's warnings here? Is this just more just rhetoric? Well, you made a very good point, Gerard. And the fact is that Israel is America's closest ally. On September 11, 2001, Israel stood shoulder to shoulder with America, provided every assistance possible, including its efforts on the intelligence front. Israel was with America. Israel just experienced its 9-11, and while Biden's speech last week was certainly commendable, communicating the right things, he did not address Iran, the state sponsor of terror and terrorism. He gave Iran uh, sort of an opportunity to get away. In fact, Iran is the source of all of this terrorism, funding and financing Hezbollah in the north as well as Hamas. 
And as far as Americans are concerned, Biden has really, the administration, the Biden administration has not given us an update on what it will do to bring back home 29 Americans that are in Gaza. We should be concerned about that. And yet, members of Congress have not addressed this issue with the Biden administration to bring back our fellow Americans home. And as we look at what's going on in the Middle East, in fact, if we do not stop Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran, we're going to be facing that right here in America with a open southern border. In fact, we have 1.5 million gotaways here in the United States since Biden came into power and over 150 plus individuals that were on the terror list, the terror watch list, and individuals coming from Yemen, from Lebanon, from Iran. Uh, it's just unbelievable. The Biden administration may give a good talk, but its actions are terrible and certainly making this world a less safer place for all of us. It just seems like, Natasha, that uh, it's another situation where even in this country, we put ideology ahead of safety and security. And that's what we're seeing, as, as Joel points out, on the southern border. And I just pray that there's no bad guys that are crossing over, That, uh, but I fear that they're they're plotting some some sort of catastrophic attack right here on American soil that uh, could mirror what we saw on 9-11. I pray that's not the case. But the other thing that bothers me is you got to have money to, to perpetrate these sort of attacks. And I believe that every barrel of oil that could be but is not being produced in this country is essentially funding those who want to obliterate Israel and its allies, and that's us. What do you think, Natasha? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a correct uh, uh, statement, basically. Uh, we are, uh, you know, we we voluntarily stopped uh, producing more oil with the Biden administration. So this is all these reversal policies on economic front domestically and the foreign policy emboldening our enemies, basically emboldening Iran, emboldening Afghanistan, emboldening Russia, it's it's a very very bad uh, precedent, and uh, you know when you think about again in the region with Iran uh, giving away six billion dollars uh, for, for a, a exchange of prisoners. I mean we gave money to Iran to attack us, attack our ally in, in Israel in the Middle East, but also us. And you know because we our military is getting involved at this stage as a deterrent. Right. But as we as we said, Iran Iran actually is a main culprit for the whole you know M Middle East funding Hezbollah in Lebanon, Hamas in the Gaza Strip, Houthis in Yemen, and and actually threatening with Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, which is their military uh, military arm involved in internationally helping these terrorist groups, that they're going to come with, uh, you know, land troops through Syria to attack Israel if something happens to Iran. So meaning their threats, we have to take them seriously because they have, on the, they are always delivered on their promises. They've made so it very clear, they've made it very clear their goal is to exterminate Israel and the Jews. They, they don't. They don't want them to exist on the planet. They, that and they are brainwashing children into that same right. viewpoint, which is just crazy yeah, when you think about small, it. 
they are small Satan and we are large Satan in their words. Right. Totally agree. Joel, Natasha, thanks so much for coming on Middays. Really appreciate it. I'm sure we'll be talking to you soon as we as we uh, track this uh, these horrific events happening in Gaza. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you, Gerard. Thank you so much, Gerard. We're coming right back, folks, in the Element Well Studio. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's do this. On Super Talk Mississippi. Let's go. Welcome back, everyone. It's Middays. We're in the Element Well studio. Always enjoy talking to Joel, uh, Joel and Natasha. They've got they've got insights, honestly. They've got contacts, you know that. Yeah. Um, eyes and ears and feet uh, on the ground that can uh, provide information that you just can't get otherwise. So we're fortunate to have them call into the program. Of course, they have a great show as well mm-hmm. on our network. Uh, but I appreciate their their insight uh, for sure. But it, it's true. Well, if you think about it, Joe Biden, day one, says, you know, we're getting out of the oil and gas business. I, and I remember distinctly one of the interviews. I don't know if you remember this. And it was with an individual in a wheelchair that um, uh, could not speak. But uh, I think use technology to communicate, and he was there was a one-on-one conversation between him and the president, and and it was um, asking about his his plans for fossil fuels, and and this individual supported is an advocate for just total elimination and weaning off fossil fuels, and Joe Biden I remember this distinctly. If we looked it up, we could probably find it still out there. He says, yes, I'm going to get rid of them. Yeah, meaning, yeah, I'm all about transitioning totally away from what we need to survive, honestly. Well, so day one, before the before the teleprompters were moved off the Capitol steps, he was over there signing executive orders, 32, I believe, day one, and injected into every one of those executive orders was the theme of climate change and equity. I remember it distinctly. That's going to be a central theme of all policymaking across the agency spectrum. So now we're paying the price for that because every barrel of oil we don't produce here that we could, were it not for his executive orders and his policies, is just funding the people who want to blow us off the face of the earth. That's true, and I don't know if you saw today where the U.S. is easing oil sanctions on Venezuela. Venezuela. Yeah, I guess their oil is not as polluting, right? Yeah, I guess it's not. 
That's crazy. So uh, all estimates indicate from the oil and gas industry that we'd be producing 3 million barrels more today if we'd have just stayed with the Trump policies and not disrupted that with Biden's policies. Now, a third of that, roughly, would have been through the Keystone Pipeline that likely would have been complete by now, and oil would have been flowing to the refineries, because that was the deal. The pipeline would traverse the country from Canada down to the refinery center of uh, really the world, which is Texas, Houston area, and we'd be producing oil. I mean, fuel, I should say, from that, uh, from the oil produced and, and uh, that would be transported on that pipeline. But, of course, he, he made that go away with a swipe of a pen. Who could forget? Uh, and and it's just made it clear. Nope, we're getting out of the fossil fuels business. And, and so we are. And now you've seen reports probably, folks, where the amount of oil produced and sold by Iran has increased dramatically since Joe Biden's been in office. Because we left a void by, by not producing what we're capable of producing, and Iran filled that, and so did Russia. And they're enriching themselves. And in the case of, of Russia, they're using it to, to defeat, to attack Ukraine. And in the case of Iran, you know they're behind all this. It's their money behind all of what's going on with Hamas. And Natasha's absolutely right. The... The regime, the top leaders, oh, they're comfortable in Qatar on their couches. Seriously. Enjoying the good life, telling the people in Gaza, you stay put. And I didn't know until she told us that they're using some sort of weaponry, um, firebombs or something to that effect that she described to keep people from moving. Stay put. So you can be a human shield, and we can get video of Israel attacking you, yeah. putting putting military facilities in the basements of hospitals and stuff like that. Yeah, one of the one of the other things that I, I hear a lot of people say is, you know, Israel should just open up the border and you know let them come over across and all this kind of nonsense. What they don't realize is that Egypt also has a border with the Gaza Strip, and they have completely closed it off. Yeah. Um, well, because they don't want people coming over, which kind of makes you feel like they're in cahoots with Hamas, right? Um, and they don't want them coming over to, to get out of harm's way, even though Israel's warning. We're going to war here. I mean, that's and, – and Joel and Natasha are right. Can you think of any other situation where someone who's about to unleash holy hell in the form of war attacks – says, get out of the way, we're coming. Nobody does that. Hamas certainly didn't. Heck, they sent folks up on paragliders into a music festival. Unbelievable. It's just incredible. The other thing that bothers me, Will, is is uh, we talked about it a bit this morning, is just the widespread protests occurring in this country, in the streets, on college campuses in particular, in support yep. of Hamas. And, and it's... I understand if they've got – I guess I understand if they've got some sort of grievance about about land and, and occupation and that sort of stuff, which is what the core of this is. But condoning, condoning these barbaric attacks on innocent civilians, really it, there's a combination of condoning it and for many – 
It's just they're in a state of denial about it. They're rejecting that it is even occurring. Refuse to accept that. That's unthinkable that that's happening in this country, in the world. It is. I, I can't comprehend it. Now, I've not heard of anything you know, happening locally or around the state, I pray that that doesn't happen. Uh, but we've seen, we've witnessed it on college campuses, and we've seen uh, some of these colleges try to walk it back a little bit. But you probably saw Ben Sass, the former senator from Nebraska, now the president of the University of Florida. He didn't mince any words, man. He came out and said that he's just shocked at more university presidents and just universities in general aren't coming out and making statements. They're afraid. Uh, exactly. They, they're they afraid of this. Really, it's the social media backlash. And maybe, you know, a couple students get together and have a little rally, and then all of a sudden all that bad publicity will, will hit them. Yeah. Uh, and it's – look, it's not just a – it's not just – happening in the Northeast universities, the elite colleges. It's happening – this is Florida where he had to come out and make this statement, University of Florida, but there's there's been others. Uh, I don't know if you saw where uh, John Huntsman yeah. has pulled the funding from the Huntsman – what is it, the organization that they have? Yep, it's a philanthropy. I saw that. Yeah. Former ambassador. Yeah. Um, That's he, good. Good for him. Because university presidents aren't making a stand. Harvard's um, – a chancellor or president or whatever she's called. Yep. <laughs> you, know, you got uh, Larry Summers coming out saying, "I can't believe this is the the university that I were I spent so much of my life at." Yeah, worked in the Clinton administration. I mean, uh, the deal with the the Harvard president, she did make a statement. I guess you could say it denounced Hamas, condemned their actions, but it was kind of weak. It was it was it was marginal at best. Yeah. In that respect. Yeah, Huntsman came out and there's there's lots of others who have as well that are revolting against what they call moral confusion in the leadership of the Ivy League. He said the school is is deeply adrift talking about uh University of Pennsylvania. He he much of his philanthropy supports that. Um, issued a devastating statement. He called the skill deeply adrift in ways that make it almost recognizable. Unrecon- University of Pennsylvania. Un- unrecognizable, yeah. Yeah. He said, um, silence is anti-Semitism, and anti-Semitism is hate. Yep. The very thing higher ed was built to obviate. That's absolutely true. Totally true. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what. There's been some polling released um that I believe Politico or maybe NBC News released over the weekend. It says almost 70% of America is behind Israel. Right. And says that Israel is actually, that the U.S. is not helping Israel enough right now. Yeah. And I've seen some politicians, you know, who probably would jump out there are now kind of stepping back going, well, let me see how the numbers play out before I make a make a statement. They're testing the water, in other words, <laughs> before they come out and make a statement, which is totally ridiculous. But... 
I applaud Mr. Huntsman and Bill Ackerman and uh, Ben Sass as well. And Sass just said, you guys are weak for not coming out. He decried the university community and their leadership for not making succinct statements in condemnation of Hamas actions. We're coming right back with half an hour on Middays. Don't forget it's Monday. That means Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews at the top of the hour. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. It is on. On Super Talk Mississippi. back, everyone. It's Middays. We're in the Element Well Studio. Israeli billionaire Eden Ofer quit the executive board of the Kennedy School at Harvard because of the rather lukewarm response from the university's president, Claudine Gay. It ain't very smart to alienate a billionaire on your board. I don't know. I, you know, I've been around the block a little bit at least. Didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. That's just dumb. But you're right. They they fear retribution from the wokesters. That's just yeah. the bottom line. Um, and Sass Sass's statement, I think, was spot on. He just said, you know. We got universities around the country who speak about every topic under the sun. Halloween costumes, it's true. Microaggressions. I mean, last week, in the midst of this tumult in Gaza, we shared, Will, I don't know if you heard it, a story about Clemson University. They got a group that were protesting removal of tampon dispensers from the men's bathrooms on campus. That's just crazy that that's what we're all concerned about. I know. Uh, Yeah, there was a lot of protests. Uh, The Justice in Palestine group, uh, University of Arizona, Arizona State University, University of Louisville, University of Virginia, Rutgers, Ohio State, Kent State, Purdue, University of North Carolina, Georgetown, Connecticut, University of Connecticut, uh, several in California, University of Illinois. So not just a northeast elite liberal thing. It's not limited to that. There was a huge – the one in Arizona was huge. It was big. Both universities, one at Arizona State and University of Arizona, but it was was pretty big. Yeah. uh, So the biggest thing that concerns me about that is that that's our future leaders. That's our future elected officials our future corporate executives, our future innovators, they think that this way, That's that bothers me. And they're, Rhino says it a lot, I think they're just looking for attention, they're looking for a cause, I get that. I mean, that's that's been going on on college campuses, you know, with, with, when you're in that age range for a long time. But man, this is violence. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is heinous, this is unthinkable immoral acts of one human on another. I can't even comprehend it, honestly, that that I thought we were past that. 
thought we were post-Holocaust, but it feels like that it's bubbling up again and gaining steam and traction. The U.K. had massive, you probably saw that, protests. Massive. So did Germany. Uh, in fact, yes. in Germany, there was someone who was going around spray-painting Star of David um, uh, emblems on buildings that were owned by Jewish people. I don't know if that reminds you of any uh, of your history uh, where, I mean, what in what world? I don't know. People I, in the crowd. That's Nazism. That's well, like, there's people in the crowd with flags bearing the swastika. It's unbelievable. And it's coming from the left. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. But yet, they're the ones who, who, who are always castigating the right as being uncompassionate and racist and all that kind of crap, bigoted. What the heck do they think this is? It's unbelievable. Oh, really? It really is. Is this anything like the unspeakable name of God? This is Dan in Hattiesburg talking about the Zeno pronoun. <laughs> Are we comparing ourselves to God now? I think Will's right. Who the heck has the time to dream up this stuff? I don't know. It's just totally crazy. Gene and Mendehoff sent <laughs> rather interesting gift. Of uh, someone kind of just blinking their eyes like, what? Uh, Yeah. It is crazy. Can you imagine Don Rickles describing a Zeno pronoun, says Mailman Clayton on the ceasefire text line. You know what we need? We need more Don Rickles in the celebrity roast. Those were so good. So funny. You couldn't do that today, sadly. But they're still out there, by the way, folks. If you if you get uh, a chance, go out and check them out on YouTube. They still make me laugh. They're so dang funny. Because they laugh at themselves. They're okay with that. You know, yeah. they're not triggered. They're not taking <laughs> themselves too seriously. And that's the whole point, man. You know, laugh at yourself. Humans are funny. We just are. Laugh. It's, uh, it's crazy that we can't do that. And this is something that came up. I went to the Prager event, you know, last week, and and Prager talked about that. And I've said it many times on the show. They're just always unhappy. They're permanently aggrieved, people on the left. They never laugh. They never smile. And they don't – they hate fun, honestly, it seems like. Can't have fun. Everything's, quote, quote unquote, problematic. (laughs) It's problematic. Unbelievable. Randy and Starville says, can you get me some of the stuff that guy was smoking talking about the pronoun? So, Michael, I'm start. Well, uh, so Zeno pronoun is like mating call of Bigfoot. Never been heard. Uh, but they can download their genders from the cloud on the ceasefire text line. The Presley TV ad just makes my head hurt. There's so much this is on the ceasefire text line. There's so much bull in it. It's just embarrassing. He either does not know the role of the office of governor, or he knows it is just full of it and doesn't care what he says. I wonder how he plans to accomplish all the great works with the Republican Pact House and Senate. Just just cares about getting elected, unfortunately, and whatever messaging will achieve that. Uh, tag of eight hundred bucks, Subaru tag. Uh, it's a little different than your $28. Yeah. Of course, it's based on the value of it, and it's and that's they use a system for that based on the year and, and original it, retail yeah, price. Yeah, where you live. Uh, we lived in a camp. My wife and I lived in a, uh, an area where we had an extremely high tag uh, at one point, and now my wife's – when we moved to our, our new home, 
uh, about three or four years ago, her tag dropped four hundred dollars. Yeah, and year that's year. and that's the price. Uh, I mean, that's the point. Pardon me, is that th- these are taxes that are levied at the county and municipal mm-hmm. level. So it's it's your board of supervisors. It's your city councilman. It's not done by the state. State simply sets the percentage of the asset that yeah. would be used in the calculation. The state also has a fund that helps uh, provide that does provide a credit. By the way, um, it was five percent. I think it went up to eight and a half percent, if I'm not mistaken, a couple of years ago, and that was put in place in 1994. So it's a it's a a credit on your car tag. Uh, fee the taxes levied, and they they use that credit um, just based on that that credit's based determined based on prior year collections and into that fund. Uh, Scott Delano was a uh, person that was involved in that senator now from uh, the Biloxi area, and that's used by the way to reimburse the cities and counties. Uh, when there is a credit issued to reimburse them for the loss of the revenue that they would have, that comes from this fund from the state. Yeah. Ad valorem tax fund, something to that effect. Can't remember the exact formal name of it. But but the point is, what exactly is it that Brandon Presley has in mind? I really don't know as far as when he his comments, his statements about lowering the price of car tax. You know, I really he, don't know. He, he can't really talk about education a whole lot because that's – been an area where Mississippi's had great success, to yeah. be honest with you. Under I mean, this governor, yeah. no doubt about it. And and again, I say the thing that we ought to be focused on more than anything, which is economic development, growing the state's economy, is something the government's focused on daily, honestly. And I've seen nothing come from the Presley camp about that. It seems like the Democrat approach and their messaging always is, what can government give you? Yeah. It's never about how can government get the heck out of the way to let you be free and innovate and create wealth and value for society. You never hear that message. It's what I shared a minute ago about Robert Wright. We need Medicare for all. We need climate change. We need gun control. We need child tax credits. It's always about what can I give you? And so Biden's running around boasting about his Bidenomics, which polls show are, are uh, wildly unpopular. Because people are feeling the pinch yeah, at the pump, in the grocery store, everything they buy. Stuff's gone up. Their wages aren't keeping up with it. Yet he's peddling this message that, oh, yeah, it's made it all better. and But nobody is experiencing that. So, But you're absolutely right about car tags in Mississippi. It's, it's just based on where you live, the city and county that you live in, if you live in a city. Like I said, mine's 28 bucks. Yeah. Which you can't beat that. Yeah. So... Now, in, in 2012, I found a report, and I know this is old, rate, rated Mississippi's individual burden fourth worst in the nation. That's all tax burden. But that has dramatically changed now that we have uh, cut the income tax in 2022. By the way, the Mississippi today was not in support of cutting the income tax, No, nor were Democrats. They're making a big deal out of the fact that, well, revenues are down. Income tax revenues are down in the state of Mississippi. Well, that's true because we cut taxes, but that's a good thing. What they fail to also mention is that 
we've been generating significant surpluses. So it's not like this revenue decrease is causing us any sort of problem meeting our spending obligations. In fact, we still got more cutting to do, in my view. We're coming right back with the final segment of Middays. Stay with us. Are we going to do this? Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. It's Midday's final segment today. That's because Super Talk Outdoors with Ricky Matthews is up for you next. So the one thing that I noticed, Will, and <laughs> almost all of these anti-Israel, pro-Hamas demonstrations on college campuses, they all got masks on. <laughs> well, and here's the reason why they have masks is because there was a, uh, a group that – the, the first group to kind of come out in support of Hamas on these college campuses was at Harvard. And, you know, uh, Bill uh, – what's his name? Acker – Ackerman. Bill Ackerman came out and said, I wouldn't hire any of yeah. these people. After that happened, that's when the masks went on. <laughs> they don't want them to know. <laughs> some group decided – they went through and they, they took a photo of each one of those people oh, and they good. identified them through – Public information. Yeah, people that signed the letter. That signed yeah, the letter. They, yeah. And they had a, a, a billboard truck driving around with the name <laughs> of each person. And so now they're put, wearing these masks so they're not identified. I love it. It's. I don't think it's anything to do with COVID. I think it's all so they don't get identified and get called out publicly. I love it. Go Ackerman. <laughs> I was so pleased to see that. We're not hiring your butt if you're involved in that crap. And encouraged all of his peer yeah. Um, investment banker and private equity CEOs don't hire these people because that's that's pretty much is the pipeline for them. I mean, the Harvard B school is unbelievable in training those kids. Uh, and and uh, the good news is it's not crazy left the B school isn't, but there are of course other schools on campus that are. That's not saying there's no left wing folks that are in the in the camp of Hamas. You know something else I think is worth pointing out: the Palestinian people. They're really not the problem. There are a lot of good Palestinian people and innocent civilians among them as well. It's that they've been infiltrated with these radicals. That's the problem. And if they speak out against them, then they get slaughtered. Well, you had the leader of the PLO. Remember the old organization with Yasser Arafat? The, The new leader of that since Arafat died a few years ago. Came out and said, you know, Hamas is in the wrong. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't have done this. That's right. And he's not he he's not even I don't think he's even in Palestine. Yeah, it's completely or in uh, Gaza because uh they ran him out. You, and I think it it bears discussion of, of the separation uh between the organizations there. Heck, I remember back when I was in school and college before the whole Iran hostage situation uh came about. And, uh, and and the radical religious zealots took over the country. You'd look at photos and and uh, video of Tehran, for example. It looked like an American city. It looked westernized. It was thriving. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the radical religious zealots took over that wanted to kill all the Americans and all the Israelis, and it it set that place back about a hundred years. Yeah. Terrible. Foster Brooks roasting all the celebrities is good stuff, says George in Oxford. That's right. 
from uh, the celebrity Rose Foster Brooks, of course, played a, uh, was marvelous at portraying a, um, a drunk, and he was so good. You probably couldn't do that today, I'm sure. You, you're making fun of people that have legitimate alcoholism problems. But it was just funny. Somebody on the ceasefire text line, here we go, Dwight says, are you a donor to date Tate's campaign? Well, Dwight, uh, first let me just say that all that information is available on the Secretary of State's website. You're welcome to go look it up. Secondly, sure, I am. I don't make any bones about that. I got nothing to hide there. I had a a fundraiser in my house for the governor on, on June the 1st. We had a marvelous event, fantastic attendance, and we raised a bunch of money for the governor that night. I'm proud of it. Um, so, it so I don't know what your angle is here, Dwight. He says, you're in favor of cancel culture? No, I oppose cancel culture. I think you were the one that said last week that that's just something that's been fabricated by those of us on the right. We really didn't see statues taken down. We didn't see names of of uh, commonly used products changed. We didn't see that. We didn't see Major League Baseball move the All-Star game. No, yeah. none of that really happened, right, Dwight? I mean, uh, how many more examples you want me to give? I could I could probably talk three hours about the crazy stuff that's happened well, on the, campus. The Bill Ackerman thing is not cancel culture because right. you're not getting – he's right. not going to hire you. No, what I, he's, not can, he's not stopping you. That's right. He's not hiring you. That's, that's right. And what, what I support, Dwight, is – is uh, at what's called at-will employment, meaning that Mr. Ackerman has the right to hire whoever he wants and fire whoever he wants for any or no reason. That's what I support. It's called free markets. It's called free markets. You know, even in the Bible, in the parable of, I can't remember the exact name of the parable, but it's one that talks about employees that work for a winery that were mad at management because some made more money than others. And the Bible supports the employer's right to enter into individual contracts with its workers, shows support for property rights, individual property rights, and free market dynamics. That's the only fair arbiter of employment, of wages, of pricing. Get the heck out of the way, government. Because you're not qualified to regulate, to manage a $19 trillion economy. And when you do, all you do is screw it up. Get get out. That's what I favor, in case there was any. But you want these Harvard students canceled, says Dwight? No, I want them to pay the price for their actions. If that means you don't get a job because you're immoral, yeah, I think that's great. We're, we're out of here today. I'm off tomorrow. I'm going to, to speak to the college Republicans back with you Wednesday. Stay safe. God bless. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.